0: what's up, guys? My Take Radio episode 291. Broadcasting live Wednesday, May 6, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, a couple of things you should know first. You can listen to live audio, participate in the live chat, and watch video by heading over to mtrlive.com. Or gfqlive.tv. You can also download the official Mixler app available for iOS and Android devices to listen to the show live. Otherwise, you can use our call-in number. Not hit option one, and you can listen to the to the show that way as well. Archived episodes of the show are available within 24 to 48 hours of broadcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, with video archives available. On our YouTube channels, My Take Radio, TV, and Official RageWorks. All right, so a couple of things to get the ball rolling this week. Um, first off, my brother actually celebrates a birthday today, so uh, my happy birthday to my brother Joe. And um, a couple of things went on today that just really almost derailed today's show. Uh, we are working with um, some developers to make some enhancements to RageWorks.net. And I've been working with them the last couple of weeks. Everything that you're going to be seeing on the site is mostly back-end stuff that's being worked on, but there is going to be some front-end stuff. So what ended up happening at around 2 o'clock this afternoon, the server that hosts RageWorks.net decided to take a dump. Um, I got a couple of different communiques from a couple of different people letting me know that the site was offline. I reached out to our hosting company at Traffic Planet, and um, they had a look at it, and it indeed was a complete server meltdown so the site was moved to a brand new server unfortunately part of that was moving the site to the server and restoring a backup the backup that was restored actually wasn't the most recent backup it was from a backup from I'd say three o'clock this morning so I had done plenty of work after 3am this morning and all that work was lost but on the bright side the site is up and running You guys are able to get a show tonight, which was my number one priority, and we are moving forward with some of the enhancements on the site. So that's the first thing I want to let you guys know. Uh, The other thing was, with regards to our broadcast schedule, uh, so far for the month of May, everything is running on all cylinders, knock on wood, of course. But in June, there is going to be a couple of changes. We are um, doing some work for Special Edition NY, which we will be covering The first week of June, be on the lookout for coverage of that event. We also have Consumer Electronics Week towards the end of the month and a couple of other events that we are finalizing as well. So be on the lookout for that coverage. A couple of things are going to be a little different in June with regards to broadcasting schedules, but we're definitely going to get a couple of shows out, especially because we are nine episodes away from MTR 300. Now, a couple of people have asked. What I'm planning for MTR 300, as of right now, I have no clue. I definitely want to do something big, something special, and something memorable. It's a pretty big milestone to reach 300 episodes. Of course, in August, Rageworks turns one, which is kind of cool as well. So a lot of milestones on the horizon. In any case, no idea what we're going to do with MTR 300. Of course, for 200, we made the jump to video. For 300, who the hell knows? what I'm going to have in store for you guys. But nonetheless, I figured I'd let you guys know where we are with that. Uh, The site, like I said, should be up and running. If you guys experience any issues, please let me know so that I can get with the developers and also get with our hosting company to ensure everything is up and running. Now, there's a couple of product reviews that we were working on that we were hoping to have published this evening. But unfortunately, that is not the case. I have to actually rewrite all those product reviews uh, over the next couple of hours after we wrap up tonight's show so that I can publish them tomorrow. We had a brand new review for a tilt car dock. Of course, if you saw our QI charger review that we did for tilt earlier this week, uh, we had a really good job with that. We did a really, really good job with it. I was really proud with the way that came out, started doing some more unboxing videos, adding more stuff to the channel, and that's going to continue For the majority of uh, of the year going forward, just trying to get more stuff on the channel, give you guys more content, especially when I'm getting feedback from so many of you that are coming across the show and the site because of the channel, either because of a review or something we shared. So uh, I'm very happy that that's actually going as well as it has been, considering that, you know, Facebook isn't exactly conducive to what we're trying to do and Twitter and Google Plus have their issues as well. Uh, the other thing I did want to address is this. This, my friends, is the Moto X that we will be giving away uh, tomorrow. We will be announcing the winner of the contest. The contest started uh, last Sunday and ended May 3rd. Of course, we will be announcing the winner during tomorrow's show. Myself and Danny from Royal Flush Magazine will make that announcement on air. A couple of things I did want to talk about with regards to this contest before we get into the show. Uh, many of you have reached out asking about giveaways and stuff that we should be doing and making suggestions and etc. and I welcome all the feedback. I'll be 100% honest when I say uh, feedback, good, bad, or otherwise, has its merits and can be applied to make Rageworks and MTR just a better brand for you guys, whether it's the way the broadcasts are done, the way the segments are handled, the way that our reviews are done. It's all important, and every piece of feedback counts. But I will say I was a little, little shocked with the way our contest went. Not because of the lack of participation, because people did participate, but I guess I expected a, a larger turnout. I, I kind of want to say only because we made the rules as easy as possible. Because I really have no desire to sit on a 300, 300 and, you know, plus dollar phone when someone else can enjoy it and get a lot of use out of it but nonetheless i know part of it obviously can be attributed to carrier restrictions but still you know we were giving out a a a free phone i expected that to be shared and reshared by listeners friends and peers and um some did some didn't i mean some of our staff did what they had to do some of them didn't and um you know i'll i'll address that off air this isn't one of those things where i'm going to air grievances with regards to that but i did expect a larger turnout and i just kind of wanted to put that out there because again you guys want the contests you guys want the cool giveaways you guys want to see us reviewing the latest games the latest products and the only way that's possible is with audience participation whether it's on the on the site itself on social media whatever the case may be if you guys don't participate people don't see it and they just figure that we're screaming into the cloud and, you know, just man yells at cloud pretty much like, like the Simpsons. And that's not the case. We want to continue to review, create, and and just provide you guys with the best content possible. It's going to be a little rough. Sometimes it's going to be a little, a little in your face, a little more volatile than usual, but we want to give you guys the best content possible. We're not trying to filter anything, sugarcoat anything or or above all, present things in a disingenuous fashion. On the contrary, we want to be as real as it gets, and that's kind of one of the things that set us apart from everyone else. Like I said, I wanted to put that out there because, again, all this stuff is for you guys. I don't need another phone. Hell, I don't need another headset. I don't need a a ton of the stuff that's here. On the contrary, I want to give it away. I want to give it to you guys or return it to the companies when necessary. I don't want any of it. So, again, let's try and, 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 and work on that together. We're going to try and just do do more contests, but it's also, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street. You guys got to participate, you know, kind of be our advocates as well, because otherwise, you know, nothing is going to get accomplished. So I figured I would put that out there. All right, so what's on deck for tonight? We got a ton of UFC news, um, Reebok sponsorship news came out. And some numbers were released, which definitely have a lot of fighters pissed off. Uh, interesting developments in the John Jones situation. On the wrestling side of things, we're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about some of the latest wrestling news of the week. I also want to get into um, an interesting story that's been making the rounds regarding Vince Russo and his opinion on Sami Zayn, which has the internet wrestling community in a huge tizzy. Definitely want to get into that. And as always, I will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. All right, so let's get this ball rolling. Let's jump into some MMA. And um, as always, feel free to contribute in the chat, and I will interact with you there as well. All right, let's get to it. All right, so last week we mentioned the signing of Michelle Waterson, the Invicta prospect and former Invicta atomweight champion to the UFC, and to think that her signing wasn't going to lead to an immediate fight should surprise no one, because I figured that they would announce her signing and announce this fight on on the very same announcement. But obviously, they figured they would wait a week. And um, sure enough, Michelle Watterson is getting into the octagon on July 12th in the Ultimate Fighter 21 finale event. She will be facing Angela Magana, of course, a veteran from the Ultimate Fighter. I think it's going to be a good test for Michelle Watterson making the the transition from Invicta to the UFC. I think Angela Magana is going to be an interesting opponent. I think she's going to do a good job of promoting the fight. And, you know, talking her fair share of trash, I think Angela Magana is definitely good at that. Uh, Michelle Watterson uh, makes, a, makes a strong case that coming out of Invicta, former Adam Waite champion, now heading to the UFC, it's, it's definitely going to be um, a very, very interesting fight. Of course, the Ultimate Fighter finale will be there, and Benson Henderson and Michael Johnson is also scheduled for that card. Now... Of course, it wouldn't be a week in MMA without talking about John Jones. Of course, last week, Ben and I broke down the John Jones situation at length. And this week, the situation continues to escalate with a number of different people sharing their opinions, some opinions more justifiable than others. Uh, John Jones' manager has gone on record saying that he felt that John Jones should not have been stripped of the title. He also said that John Jones may not return. To MMA Again, that was just something that definitely was tossed out there to generate headlines. I think John Jones is going to be out of the sport for the foreseeable future. I'd like to say at, at least a year, maybe two. And I think it's going to be good for him if he's able to get himself together and get himself clean, because I'm sure he's going to come back, get an immediate fight, and people are going to, again, you know, people, people forgive and forget if, if the work is put in. I mean, if people can forgive uh, a guy like Michael Vick for some of the deplorable things he did, I think John Jones could definitely redeem himself. In any case, Dana White actually was on ESPN Sports Nation and he addressed the John Jones situation with the following He said, A lot of you know John's had a lot of chances. This one was his last chance. He's got to handle his business outside of the octagon and then we'll see where he goes from there. Obviously, he's one of our biggest stars. He was on his way to becoming one of the greatest ever, and he's got some legal problems he's got to deal with. So we suspended him, stripped him of the title, and he's got some work to do outside of the sport. Then we'll decide when he comes back. Now, obviously, seeing Dana White cite that and really go on record with it it is very telling that the UFC has pretty much reached their boiling point with regards to Jon Jones' antics outside of the cage. Now, a case can be made and i've seen many people address this on social media that john jones' legal problems should not have anything to do with his up upco- well with what was his upcoming fight against anthony rumble johnson and i disagree i feel that the guy got into an accident nearly you know injured injured the the, the other the other person in the accident who was pregnant not only did he not stay but he ran away from the scene only to come back to grab his money and still make a run for it and then turns himself in a day or two later with a lawyer whose defense was probably the most the, the most stupid defense I've ever heard and it just it just was not a good chain of events that made it easy for the UFC to keep John Jones on board on the contrary I think had they kept him on board with all these legal issues, it would have created a bigger firestorm, a bigger backlash for the organization, and it had to be done. I think that allowing him to remain champion and allowing him to still participate and make money is, to some degree, rewarding bad behavior. Again, that's just where I stand on it. I know some people disagree with that, and they feel that one has nothing to do with the other, but I I don't agree. I think that his, his legal antics would have been a distraction for the fight. I think that if there would have been any additional charges, etc., etc., and any hearings and anything else, it would have taken away from him preparing for said fight. And in the event that he lost, it would always be that, that, that question of, did John Jones lose because he didn't have adequate time to prepare because of his legal issues? And that would then question the legacy of Anthony Rumble Johnson dethroning john jones i think that it was a safe bet to strip him of the title and allow rumble johnson to fight um daniel cormier in this situation because it was the prudent and the right thing to do i think that the ufc had already been looked at poorly for handling his cocaine situation and this situation was was 10 times worse in my opinion and they've really had to make an executive decision, which leads me to some interesting commentary from Chael Sonnen. Of course, Chael has his own podcast. Chael is viewed very differently depending on who you talk to with regards to the sport of MMA. Some people feel that he talked his way into a lot of opportunities. And while he was an amazing athlete, wasn't as good as his credentials made him out to be to that. I disagree. I think that any, any individual that puts in the work that sacrifices, um, you know, their, their, their personal lives to, to make a mark in this sport are tremendous athletes. It takes, it takes a certain type of individual, a certain type of frame up uh, framework to step into the cage and, and to make that commitment. Again, it's the, the sport of mixed martial arts as, as a participant are not for everybody you can go in there and you can take your cardio kickboxing class and and you can take your your classes and you can do all this stuff and who knows you may you may consider yourself an on paper badass, but at the end of the day, unless you step in the cage and you truly test yourself, your skills are your skills, but they haven't been tested you know in a trial by fire so i can't i can't speak ill of of chael in from that perspective because i've never stepped in the octagon and the guy had an amazing wrestling pedigree he was a great entertainer and again some people may not agree with what he says but he did generate a lot of buzz for the sport of mixed martial arts nonetheless in his latest podcast he he addressed the john jones situation in a way that was i think it was partially done for the sake of generating headlines but it also just really made me take a step back and question, like, what the fuck was that? Anyway, let me explain to you guys what I mean. On his last podcast, which you can find on iTunes, um, he said that guys want to see John Jones stripped and then they want to fight for a title. He then said, but you don't cut him, so he's still in the league. You know he can beat you. You know he's the undefeated champion. You know he's the best fighter out there. How are you going to put that belt around your waist and feel good about it? He didn't fail a drug test. He wasn't in violation with the commission. He said, and I quote, If Jones stays in the division and you accept the title while he's still in the division and you didn't beat him, you're a punk. You're a punk. I would never put a belt around my waist knowing that the guy five feet away from me is the true owner of it. He then went on to say the following, I would never defend what John did. However, we do have bodies to take care of these things. They're called the police. It sounds like John has an issue with the police, which will be escalated to the district attorney's office, but it needs to stay there in Albuquerque. I'm not sure how that would affect the state agency out in Nevada. The UFC shouldn't be put in this spot. If the commission says we're fine with the fight, then the UFC should hold the fight. It doesn't need to be this big public relations battle with people pushing back. We're running a fight business. We're not running a church here. If the commission, a government agency says green light it, then hold the damn fight quit trying to hold the UFC responsible for everything. Now, again, there is merit in 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 Chales in, in Chales um quote, there is some merit there, but I will say this. And this goes to something that Slick said in the chat as well. What you do outside of work reflects on the company. This is especially applicable to professional athletes. Major League Baseball Major League Baseball, the NFL, um, you know, all, all these major sports that, you know, the UFC wants to be like, take into account the things that their athletes do and handle and issue disciplinary action based on that. This can be, you know, Plaxico Burris shooting himself in the leg, Michael Vick doing dog fighting, um, Ray Lewis, Aaron Hernandez, the list goes on and on. The fact remains that when people put themselves in these in these predicaments in a public forum, they are still somewhat a representative of the organization that they're part of. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if John Jones got into a fender bender, an accident, killed the lady, didn't kill the lady. The fact is that he committed a crime. He ran from the scene of the crime, which was deplorable in and of itself, and in that same in that same instance there was memorabilia in his car there were a ton of things that were that were there that could have been handled differently but instead he chose to just run and handle it you know handle it poorly and as such he represented the sport poorly when the, when major news outlets caught wind of this story they didn't address it like oh mixed martial artist john jones no they announced it as UFC champion, John Jones, UFC fighter, John Jones. And yes, the the, the connotation, well, let me rephrase that. The, the view of mixed martial arts to the layman is about as far as the UFC. You can talk to somebody that doesn't know anything and the only thing that they know about MMA is are the letters UFC. They don't know anything else. They think that that's what it is. It's no different than tissues to blow your nose being called Kleenex. There's a dozen different types of tissue out there, but everyone will always call them Kleenex because that's what it is. It's the same thing with post-it notes. And the list goes on. This is this is what people recognize it as. As such, when John Jones got himself in this predicament, the UFC was instantly associated with him. It wasn't you know, mixed martial artist, John Jones. No, it was, you know, UFC light heavyweight champion, John Jones, UFC fighter, John Jones, Reebok athlete, John Jones. So these companies, they had to cut, they had to cut the string. They had to separate themselves because they knew that if they didn't, it would look like they were co-signing this fighter's bad behavior. I'm a big fan of Chael. I think Chael again is a tremendous personality, an amazing athlete, but I don't agree with his stance. I don't. And to call any fighter that fights for that belt and wins that belt a punk because he didn't beat John Jones is stupid. You want to know who, who beat John Jones? John Jones beat John Jones. That's it. Yes, would Anthony Rumble Johnson or Daniel Cormier or Alexander Gustafson, you know, and, and be like, yo, this guy, I didn't beat him? Yes, they're all going to be bothered by it. They're all going to sit there and say, Damn, I should have beat John Jones, or I could have beat him, or I should have fought him. Whatever the case may be. The guy's not going anywhere. I'm sure he'll be back and they will have an opportunity to do that. But like anything else, the show must go on. It's no different than in wrestling. In wrestling, you watch Raw on Monday nights, you watch SmackDown, you watch pay-per-views, you see all the crowd chanting CM Punk, and while they are doing it to 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 throw it in the face of WWE. They're they're calling for a guy that is not coming back. The show has moved on, even with CM Punk still being chanted for. The show has moved on. Same thing with the UFC. This is a business. This is the fight business. Fights have to continue to happen, regardless of you know John Jones being the greatest fighter ever or being the face of the organization. He is on the shelf. Shit has to move on. Like I said, as for Chael. I personally don't agree with where he stands. Do I think he's a piece of shit or a terrible human being or any of that? No. Do I think John Jones is a piece of shit? Yes. I think he's a piece of shit as a human being for what he did. But as an athlete, I will say, and this is, you know, me compartmentalizing that, John Jones is one of the best athletes on the planet. Yes, his record can be looked at depending on who he beat or or this and that he still wanna consider one of the best guys on the planet. When you look at that pound for pound list, his name is on there. Not anymore, but it's on there. You can't deny that. you can't deny the guy's accolades. But that doesn't mean he's he's not a, a shitty human being right now. It's the same thing that I've said with Chris Benoit. Benoit was one of my favorite wrestlers. Hell, he still is. Is he a deplorable human being? Absolutely. Is he a piece of shit? Definitely. Did he entertain the, the the shit out of me growing up? Absolutely, and I have compartmentalized that. As a human being, he is a terrible human being, deplorable in his actions. But the wrestler and the accolades that he has can't be ignored. Simple as that. All right, so I wanted to switch gears a little bit, and I wanted to discuss uh, an interesting an interesting transition for for a guy who's been in the UFC a long time. He, he's a veteran. Uh, pretty much came in with the the first crop of Ultimate Fighters, and that's Diego Sanchez. Now, many of you know Diego Sanchez has been in the UFC forever. Uh, Daniel Bryan's yes chant can be attributed to Diego Sanchez. For those of you that are longtime fans of the UFC, you know that Diego Sanchez used to come out just chanting yes on the way to the cage. It was crazy, it was surreal, but it was his thing. So Diego Sanchez is making the drop down to 145 pounds he has fought at welterweight he has fought at actually yeah he's fought at welterweight and lightweight throughout his ufc career but now he is making the drop down to featherweight which is very impressive because diego sanchez is is an exciting fighter to watch even though judges tend to rule in his decision and a lot of fighters have been shafted in fights with him the fact is that diego sanchez is very entertaining Now, making the drop down to 145 is interesting because the 145-pound division is loaded with talent. And for a guy like Diego Sanchez, I think he can come in and definitely make some waves. But I do not think that Diego Sanchez is going to come in there and and get into any sort of title contention. Even though he thinks that he can, I think that 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 division is so stacked that the probability of him getting anywhere near a title at this point in his career is is very very far gone again i would love to be wrong but i don't think that at this time the featherweight division is a good fit for diego sanchez i'm curious to see what happens but i don't have a good feeling about it so last week before we closed out ben and i were talking about the injury to khabib Nurmagomedov, who was supposed to be facing donald Cerrone at ufc 187 uh, next month unfortunately uh, Khabib is on the shelf, but John McDessie, who actually fought at UFC 186, has confirmed that he will be taking the fight with Donald Cerrone. He actually is coming off a first-round knockout over Shane Campbell, and he is taken this fight on merely week's notice. Again, UFC 187 happens this uh, May 23rd, and John McDessie has taken this fight on very, very short notice. Now, of course, many people were wondering... Why Donald Cerrone would take this fight, considering that, you know, the change in opponent could really damage his stance in the division should he suffer a loss. And he said on UFC Tonight, I can't be the guy who says I'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime, and then when it's my fight, you know, not take it. I have to keep my word. They gave me a new opponent. I just want to fight. That's my mentality. I'm excited. So, again, very, very cool to see that Donald Cerrone is adapting and willing to go in there and take this fight with John Mcdessey who again is taking the fight on weeks notice and has a possibility of upsetting Cerrone and really damaging any title aspirations he may have. Again, UFC 187 goes down on May 23rd. On the other side of the coin, even though even though we would love for for fights to to go as planned, sometimes that's not the case. Everybody was excited for um Cerrone and Khabib and of course that fell by the wayside another fight that took a hit recently was the Alexander Gustafson Glover to share a fight as Gustafson had to re- uh, pull himself out of the bout due to injury so he is officially out and Joanna Jedrzejczyk will be defending her strawweight title against Jessica Penny as the main event for UFC Fight Night 69 on June 20th of course um, Glover Teixeira does not have an opponent, so they ended up just scrapping that fight. Um, there was speculation that he would face Ryan Bader, but Bader was supposed to face Daniel Cormier, and Cormier, of course, is now fighting Anthony Rumble Johnson. So um, very, very interesting turn of events here as Glover Teixeira was left with no opponent as Gustafson goes back on the shelf. But for Joanna Jedrzejczyk, it's a great opportunity to be the main event And considering her very, very solid performance against Carla Esparza, I'm curious to see how she fares against the veteran Jessica Penny. Again, UFC Fight Night 69 goes down June 20th. Now, it wouldn't be a week of MMA news without Chris Cyborg being in the news. And um, she was on UFC Tonight recently. And it was interesting because, obviously, she is Invicta's featherweight champion currently and is also under contract with Zufa. And again, the possibility of her fighting Ronda Rousey came up and um, it's again, it just bothers me because there's a lot of shit talking going on and there's not a lot of weight cutting going on. It's like either you cut the weight and fight the champion or you don't. In this instance, they were, you know, Cyborg was asked, can you fight at 135? She said, I have a professional nutritionist that has helped me. Uh, and it's much easier for me to make 145. I can 100% make it. When asked about fighting Rousey, she said, I'm ready for this fight. When she was in Strike Force, I wanted to take the fight. I tried, 100%, I, I tried 100% to make 135. It's annoying. I want to fight her. Once again, Cyborg proposed fighting Ronda Rousey at a catch weight, not the move. She said, All fighters want to be champ, champion in the UFC. I think for now it'd be great f- to let me and Ronda fight. I don't want her belt, I just want to fight her. Let's go and fight. Let's go meet at 140. Let's do it. Again, and I've said this before. Ronda Rousey is the champion at 140 pounds. You know, at 135 pounds. Can you make 135? Yes or no? If you can't make it, then you shouldn't be challenge- you know, out there talking about fighting anybody if you cannot make the weight. Yes, we would all love to see that fight. I think it would be an amazing fight it would yield a tremendous buy rate and i think it would be it would be good for the sport but the the probability of her not making weight and shenanigans of some sort derailing any potential fight just we don't we don't need it as as an organization i don't think the ufc needs to deal with the bullshit and i don't think fans want to deal with it either on the contrary if anything she should focus on working with the nutritionist to ensure that she could make 135 on a consistent basis and if that is the case then we can start talking about her fighting ronda and not even because she should she should take a fight in the ufc at that weight class and then fight ronda if she's able to continue to perform consistently at that weight class it's not a matter of oh you know i got beef with her she has beef with me let's settle it in the cage at a catch weight if that were the case every guy who hates anybody else in the ufc would be making catchweight fights on the regular. You got to either stay within your division or go up a weight class or down a weight class. There's no there's no catchweight when you talked all this shit and now you're talking now you're trying to force catchweight even though you said you could make the weight. I mean, it's a it's a lot of smoke and mirrors from Cyborg. As a fan, it frustrates me cuz I want to see the fight, I want to see it go down and I want to know if pound for pound she is the baddest chick on the planet can she beat ronda rousey and all i'm seeing is a lot of talking and not a lot of weight cutting so until we see something significant i just feel it's all bullshit at this point that's all i'm saying well it's been a while since i've reported roster cuts but it seems that the ufc has swung the scythe once again and cut a couple of fighters sent Bazinski got cut uh kane Carrizoza got cut justin jones got cut and Marcin Bandel just got cut. So, once again, just culling the herd a little bit. Um, Seth Baczynski was 5-6 and six overall in the UFC, but he was coming off of three losses. He lost to Thiago Alves, Alan Juban, and Leon Edwards. Kane Carrizosa went 0-2 in the UFC. He lost to Chris Wade uh, via submission and Leonardo Teixeira via decision. Justin Jones also went 0-2 in the UFC, uh, losing to Corey Anderson and Ron Stallings. Uh, Marcin Bandel, 0 2 as well, lost to Merbeck, uh, ties him off and Steven Ray. Uh, once again, we're not even letting these guys lose, lose three fights in a row. 0 2, you're out the door. It's, it's crazy, but considering how many fighters they continue to bring in, either through international signings, the ultimate fighter, we're gonna start seeing a lot more roster cuts at a lot, at a, at a bigger pace going forward. I mean, right now we have the American top teams. Uh, American Top Team Black Zillions Ultimate Fighter season going on, which I have not been able to watch. I think I'm behind like four episodes, and I'm sure they're going to get a, a wealth of talent from both teams. So I think the uh, you know guys getting cut at 0-2, while we don't want to see that happen, it's going to be a revolving door. I'm sure these guys will go to other organizations, they'll step their game up, and they'll be back in the UFC before you know it. This weekend, and I'm sure many of you don't even know it because they've done a terrible job of promoting it, is UFC Fight Night 65 at Adelaide, South Australia. Now, the main card is probably one of the better cards for a fight pass card. Uh, Mark Hunt is taking on Stepe Miochik. Brad Tavares is fighting Robert Whittaker, Anthony Peros is taking on Sean O'Connell, and Jake Matthews is squaring off against James Vick. Again, that's on UFC Fight Pass, and you can watch that at 11 p.m. Eastern on, like I said, on the Fight Pass, either on your computer or you actually have the UFC Fight Pass. I believe it's on Xbox One. I know I saw it briefly on the 360, so if you are interested in checking out that card and you have a console, you can probably pick up the UFC app and watch the uh, the card that way. Hatsu Hioki is fighting on the prelims, as is Kyle Noak, as is Beck Rawlings. Um, Again, a solid card on paper. It's a shame that it's a fight pass card, but I'm sure the highlights for it will circulate across the web rather quickly. Again, UFC Fight Night 65 is this Saturday, and the prelims start at 7.45. The main card begins at 11 p.m. Eastern. Another fight that came together that was announced this week, which I'm actually intrigued about is dan henderson facing off against tim bosch that is the headliner for ufc fight night 68 um, originally it was going to be daniel cormier and ryan bader but of course they had to shuffle that around um, that card goes down june 6th in new orleans louisiana like i said dan henderson tim bosch and matt mitrion and ben rothwell are your main event and co-main uh, definitely a pretty decent card the other fights on that card are are decent. Derek Lewis and Sean Jordan, Yancy Medeiros and Dustin Poirier are all solid fights as is Francisco Rivera and Alex Caceres. I just feel that again, and, and I've talked about this before, just too many fight cards coming at once and some fight cards are just better than others. Hopefully this is going to be one of those sleeper cards where it doesn't look that good on paper and ends up being an exciting card. I hope that is truly the case. Former UFC fighter Melvin Gallard, who originally was signed with World Series of Fighting, where it almost feels like I didn't even see him fight in the organization, was actually cut by World Series of Fighting. Um, Actually, he was released from his deal. Let me rephrase that. But no sooner had he been cut loose that Bellator swooped in and added him to his roster. Uh, They signed Gallard to a multi-year, multi-fight contract. No debut date has been announced yet. And um, no opponent either. But adding Melvin Gallard to their roster is definitely a solid pickup. I mean, with a with a division that has some of the best fighters. I think Bellator's lightweight division is a very solid division. I think he will be a fighter to watch. Hopefully, he can keep it together and chain some wins together. And who knows? Maybe we'll see Melvin Gallard back in the UFC. But as of right now, he is signed to Bellator. His debut at this time is uncertain but once we get a debut date and an opponent of course i will make sure to share that with you guys all right so before i talk about the reebok deal and another fight card that came together i do want to talk about what the ufc is doing with their hall of fame um, they've announced that they are going to do a four category system going forward and they are looking to open a physical hall of fame location uh, the new system will begin with a brand new hall of fame class that's being inducted. On the July during the UFC Fan Expo on July 11th. Now, one member will be inducted into into each category, and the categories are as follows: the Modern Era, which are fighters who made their pro MMA debut in the modern era of the UFC, which is post November 2000. The Pioneers Era, which are fighters who made their pro MMA debut in the pre, you know, in the um. Early days of the UFC, which they are using uh, pre-November 2000 as the measuring stick. Uh, contributors, which is for individuals who made significant contributions outside of active competition. And last but not least, the fight wing, which will, have, which will commemorate the greatest and most important bouts in the sports history. So with that said, um, right now, the guys that are in the UFC Hall of Fame are as follows. Hoyce Gracie, Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn, Randy Couture, Mark Coleman, Chuck Liddell, Charles Mask Lewis, Matt Hughes, Tito Ortiz, Love Him or Hate Him, Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, and Pat Militich. Now, looking at all those fighters, I'm sure that the bulk of them went in under the Pioneers era. Uh, Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner, of course, went in during the modern era. Contributors, of course, Went to mask uh, to Charles Mask Lewis, and I'm sure that you can pick a multitude of fights between any of those guys to throw into the fight wing. I'm curious to see who's going to be in the 2015 class. I mean, there's a lot of great fighters out there. As much as people don't like him, I think Frank Shamrock should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's he's done a lot for the sport. He's a great ambassador for the sport. Um, he's he's probably one of the the top guys on my list. I would probably also put Don Fry in there, another big contributor to the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, there's, so, there's so many veterans out there that have participated either in the growth of MMA as a whole or in just the UFC that much like the WWE Hall of Fame, there's going to be a lot of discussion as we get closer to July 11th. Anyway, once we get the nominees, I'll make sure to share those with you guys. All right, so I did want to talk about this Reebok deal because... The Reebok deal has been the subject of much debate. Some people are feeling that it's great for the sport. have a feeling it's gonna be great for the sport. Others are gonna f- are-, are feeling that the fighters are going to get shafted, and th- the bulk of the uh, uh, of the fan base is also split because they want to get more information. So UFC fighter Cody Gibson posted on Twitter information with regards to the Reebok deal. Not only did he post the information, but he also posted a screen cap. Now when Ben and I discussed the, sh- discussed the sponsorship deal last week, they were saying that they were going to do the tiers based on tenure, excuse me, based on the number of fights that the individual has had in the UFC. Well, Cody Gibson put out a, um, a screen cap, like I said, showing how the money's going to be broken down, meaning that if you've been in the UFC and you've had between one and five bouts, you're going to receive $2,500 per fight. 6 to 10 bouts is going to get $5,000 per fight. Fighters with 11 to 15 fights on their resume are going to get $10,000 per fight. 16 to 20 is getting 15,000 and fighters with 21 bouts and over are going to get $20,000 per fight. Title challengers are going to get a different tier, which is going to be $30,000 per fight and champions will receive $40,000 per fight. Now, in Cody Gibson's case, he's fought in the UFC four times. So under that agreement, he'd receive $2,500 if he complied with the new UFC Reebok policy. Now, of course, no sooner did this get out that people were talking about this and and sharing their opinions. And for me personally, I do feel that the numbers are a little low because I'm sure some of these fighters get really good sponsorship money from independent sponsors that are infinitely more than than what Reebok is paying out plus you got to factor in that out of that money you are paying for your corner men your training camps your travel your all the usual stuff and yes you can say that spy that fighters are going to get sponsorships from outside companies but during the bulk of the of their training and during the bulk of their build-up and anything relating to promoting the fight they will need to be seen in Reebok gear those are the rules. Now, anything that doesn't involve the UFC or anything like that is going to obviously fall under their independent um, sponsorship agreements. But the problem is that the bulk of the stuff done leading up to their fights is going to be handled by the UFC. And as such, Reebok is going to have the biggest presence. Think about it. You got your, your, your road to your fight and that special airs on, you know, Fox Sports 1 or on YouTube or whatever the case may be, you got to wear Reebok for that. You're doing interviews on, you know, Good Day New York or whatever the case may be, you got to have Reebok gear on. If you're shooting photos for a magazine that's being distributed whether it's the UFC magazine or anything else, you're probably going to be required to wear the same Reebok gear. I don't think that you know, if you're doing independent signings or other events that don't fall under the UFC umbrella, then sure you're going to have your sponsorships, but they're not going to be as impactful, and you're not going to get as much money as you were getting when you were wearing those sponsorship, uh, those sponsors at you know press events, junkets, whatever the case may be. And I can understand the frustration. I mean, you're paying your guys that have five fights are getting twenty five hundred dollars per fight when who knows, maybe Condom Depot was paying five grand. Again, not the sponsors that you'd want, but still, five grand is five grand. Anyway, of course, Dana White had to address that during a conference call recently, which MMA Junkie reported on, and he said, um, you know, per the sponsorship deal, the fighters are going to get X, and um, he said, what happened with Miles Jury, it happened, and we're going to fix it. Before we did the deal with Reebok, he was talking to Reebok. This happens. We're going to make it right. Of course, many of you know that um, Miles Jury was very uh, was very vocal about Reebok just not being the company that he wanted to deal with. He actually threw all his Reebok gear in the trash. That was a picture that circulated through a lot of different social media channels as well. I'm sure that um, Cody Gibson's um, release of those numbers is not met with um, favorable responses from the boss either. In any case, Dana White said that Miles Jury can't go out there trashing Reebok, but he did have a personal falling out with them. It did happen, and I'm going to have to manage it and fix it. Now, a couple of things before we wrap up the MMA segment for this week, and I have to say this. The the sponsorship game when it comes to mixed martial arts is very, very interesting because people people have two schools of thought. The UFC... The the fighters in the UFC are independent contractors, much like the wrestlers in WWE. But in the case of wrestlers in the WWE, they're not. While it is you know favorable that they wear WWE gear wherever they go, they usually have to wear you know be presentable, wear a suit, etc. And that usually is the extent of where their characters their their characters split. You know, if they're doing anything for the company, they, they might have their their WWE T-shirts or hats or whatever. But the bulk of their press, they're wearing regular clothes, usually suits, you know, nice clothes, obviously not jeans and T-shirts, since WWE did impose somewhat of a dress code. Now, in the case for the UFC, it's a little different because the involvement of the athletes both in and out of the cage are are huge for the sport. So when I say that, I, th- I say it from the standpoint of you have your fighters that, like I said, are doing Good Day New York or UFC Tonight or Kelly and Michael or whatever the case may be. And these guys, while it is appropriate that they should be out there wearing suits or whatever, a lot of them, you know, they're coming out of the gym. They're trying to, you know, get prepared for the fight and they throw on whatever sponsor they got. So now they got to wear all the Reebok stuff there's going to be very, very few opportunities where fighters are going to be able to wear non-sponsor apparel. I just don't see it happening. I mean, anything relating to social media, I'm sure that's going to be a little gray because fighters are going to want to showcase some of the stuff that they enjoy, some of the stuff that they use, and I think it's going to piss a lot of fighters off. I think that the rules are going to need to be fleshed out a little more because fighters that have these other deals... Um, good example demetrius johnson who who works with microsoft with xbox you know i'm sure that xbox pays him a hefty sum of money for for them for his lo- for xbox to be the only logo on his shirt think about it he usually just wears an xbox t-shirt and that's it there's very few sponsors if any other sponsors on demetrius johnson's gear and now you know with reebok yes he has an impressive fight record But I don't think that Reebok is going to pay him as much as Microsoft did. I mean, yeah, he's probably going to get the the, obviously the $40,000 champion, uh, you know, the champion tier. But still, I have a I have a nagging suspicion that Microsoft pays him a lot more money. Plus, he probably does a lot of other stuff for Microsoft as well. But again, once we once this gets fleshed out and I'm sure we're going to we're going to see and hear a lot more about it. As we get closer to July when the agreement is supposed to take effect, we will definitely get some more news out to you guys. Anyway, it's been a pretty quiet week with regards to MMA. We're going to switch gears. We're going to wrap things up and jump into this week's wrestling. So, with that said, Booker T, you know what time it is. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. All right, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by wweshop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. As always, there's a lot of banners for WWE Shop on Rageworks. Please take a moment and click those and do your shopping through those outlets to help us out. Every Every little bit helps, and as always, every banner that's clicked we get a a, a tiny percentage of it, which allows us to improve and obviously make things better for you, the listeners and the viewers anyway. So let's talk about Monday night raw. Let's let's get right into it this week. Um, Monday night raw was interesting and there's a couple of reasons. I didn't hate raw this week. I didn't like raw this week. I was, I was, eh, I was on the fence about it for a couple of reasons. So the number one reason being that the authority is not the driving force in this instance. It was, it was, you know, it was Kane and Seth Rollins and the chemistry between them, which you can, you can take it or leave it depending on what week you're watching. But before I talk about that, I, I wanted to talk about the authority as a whole. And the reason I said that is because I recently listened to an interview. With Triple H and Tim Ferriss. For those of you that don't know, Tim Ferriss wrote The 4-Hour Body, The 4-Hour Work Week, and The 4-Hour Chef. He is an incredible individual, um, a tremendous guy, and um, he, he's an amazing interviewer. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because he recently interviewed Triple H. And I'll be honest, I, I give Triple H a lot of shit on air. I've talked about him at length, good and bad. And the thing that got me about that interview was the way that Triple H views this business. I got to tell you, if you get a chance, look for the Tim Ferriss interview with Triple H. Give it a listen and you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's a different mindset when you're hearing a guy that came up through the business versus, you know, Vince. When Vince does interviews, Vince does interviews from the perspective that I created it. It's as good as it's going to be because I say it's good. Triple H looks at it a little differently because he views it not only from the talent's point of view, but from the from the point of view of the company. And um, the thing that gets me is that you see shades of that in the in the WWE product. You can tell when Vince has his hand on something versus when Triple H is involved. And the reason I say this is because all you have to do is watch Raw and watch NXT. And and the reason I say this is because Triple H said during that interview that there are times that Raw is being changed right up until a guy walks out the curtain. So that means that if at 3.30 they told, they told Roman Reigns, yo, you're going to come out and you're going to have a promo with Randy Orton, at, you know, 7.57... Roman Reigns probably might be told you're going to have a promo with Randy Orton but Seth Rollins is going to get involved as well. This is how crazy it gets. Meanwhile, you look at something like NXT. NXT is a a smaller, more more intimate venue. It's a it's uh, you know, more more seasoned talent and above all, there is only one set of creative eyes on it. That being Triple H and and the writing staff that put together NXT. Vince's involvement is from a from a perspective of, alright, who do we got? Is this guy ready to come up to the main roster? Triple H is more hands on with NXT and less hands off with Raw versus Vince, who of course is hands is is hands on in Raw and is hands off in NXT. And the reason I want to bring this up is because you look at the way that Raw has been running and you see that there's a lot of shit there that just smells like Vince McMahon. Now, the opening segment was interesting because it was not only a setup for obviously an implosion between Reigns and Orton, but it was also an opportunity to showcase the new heel version of The New Day. Now, I shit on The New Day pretty much every week. I feel that they come out and and they just, they're, they're just underutilized poorly poorly utilized and it just it just doesn't work what i say is what i say is this with regards to the new day making them heels is probably the best thing they could have done for those guys because as faces they are written terribly their shtick their appeal everything that they're doing just makes them easily hateable it reminds me of Rocky, of the Rock, when he was a face. You know, when he was Rocky Maivia, the blue chipper, and people were just chanting docky, ro- die Rocky, die," and um, you know, hope. I hope the Rock gets hit by a truck. You know, it's um, it's crazy because when you look at the New Day, it feels exactly like that. Like the like when the Rock, when Rocky Maivia was transitioning to the Rock. It feels like it's happening with the new day. Don't get me wrong, it's still it's still a lot of comedy, but I think that as a heel stable, the new day has better potential. I just don't like the fact that they're the new day. I mean don't get me wrong, we don't want to rehash the nation. We don't need a brand new version of the nation, but I just feel that the new day gimmick is just it, it just looks like something that came up that like people just threw it like threw shit out a wall to see what sticks. In other words, oh, what are we going to do with these three guys? I don't know, the Shucking Jivers, the five heartbeats, but there are three of them. You know, like like they had no clue about what they were going to do with them, and then they just said, all right, we're just going to throw them out there, and you guys are going to clap, and Big E, you're going to pretend to be Jesse Jackson, and it's going to work. That's what happened. That's what we're going to go with, and let's hope for the best. When the crowd pretty much turned on them completely – The company was like, fuck, we might as well turn them heel at this point. And that's what they ended up doing. The New Day weren't transitioned to become a heel team because they were meant to be. They were transitioned to a heel team because they had to do it because people just fucking hate them. They're never getting cheered ever. And the reason is because people just hate the gimmick, which is unfortunate because Big E, future WWE champion, Xavier Woods, future IC champion, Kofi Kingston should have, could have, and definitely would be a main eventer, you know? But again, it's it's one of those things where it, it, the, easy, the easiest answer is, well, they're black. And yes, you could say that. You could say, yeah, you know, the, the, the African Americans in the WWE all get saddled with shitty gimmicks. But I'm trying to look past the fact that they're black and more... I'm looking at the fact that, you know, their ring gear looks like it was put together with color forms. Um, they really have no cohesive delivery other than the fact that, you know, Xavier Woods is the mouthpiece and Biggie Langston is Jesse Jackson. Like, that's it. And I don't know what's going on with Kofi Kingston and the fucking pigtails that he was rocking, but there's nothing about them that even screams bad guys. And that's an issue too. I mean, you want to keep it vague, and you want to try and keep it. You know, it almost feels like, and you people may disagree. It feels like the new day are African American versions of Bo Dallas. Like Bo Dallas is a heel because his positive shtick makes him that. It's not because he's doing villainous things. He started to do them, but it doesn't. It's not something that works for them. Like if you made them just an aggressive ass-kicking stable, I think the crowd would react to them better. Like the Shield weren't coming out there making motherfuckers clap when they debuted, the Shield were coming out there and fucking people up. That's what we that's what we wanted. It's like, "Oh shit, these dudes are a problem." You know, the New Days coming out and they're clapping and clapper snap and all this shit, it just it just works, you know? It it just it just doesn't work. Quark says that Bo Dallas could be their Owen Hart. Yes, I agree. That would be fantastic. I, I definitely I definitely think that Owen Hart, Bo Dallas with the New Day would be tremendous. Very, very good, Quark. Very, very good. But in any case, Randy Orton and Roman Reigns were put together in a tag match with the New Day because, you know, that's what we do before pay-per-views. And sure enough, the New Day got a victory because... Randy Orton was inadvertently speared by Roman Reigns. We knew it was going to happen. We knew that was going to be the case. Um, As for the whole Kane-Seth Rollins dynamic, I like where it's going. I like Kane as the authority figure. And I think it's good because it allows the, you know, not, not have to hear Triple H or Stephanie McMahon every Monday. I definitely feel that it's good. The problem is that, you got Kane coming out there, getting involved in matches and all this shit. It's like, dude, just just book him as a, an authority figure and stop trying to force the issue. No one gives a shit about Kane as a wrestler. Kane as an authority figure, perfect. Kane as a wrestler, get the fuck out of here. I don't need it. I don't. And the And J&J security, they're starting to do more harm than good for Seth Rollins. Like, I understand that Seth Rollins is supposed to be this cowardly heel, you know, the sneaky, conniving heel. But even with Edge, when he had the Edge heads, after a while, Edge started to do his own dirty work. Seth Rollins is always, always being saved by J&J security. And I, I feel that they're doing him more damage than, than, than a benefit. I really do. And, and the same thing with Kane. It's like, yo, let Seth Rollins go out there and handle his business. But in any case, we ended up getting a um, a really, really good moment with um, Dean Ambrose, obviously the setup with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, and the match that they had was very good, and obviously with the stipulation that if Ambrose won, he would be involved in the payback main event. Now, the thing that I like about this is that it it everybody talks about the Shield being involved in a match against each other, and of course... This is what we're getting. The other thing I have to acknowledge, and many of you may may or may not have noticed this, is that WWE has scaled back the Roman Reigns push. In other other words, people are booing him less because the company's not shoving him down everyone's throat. While, of course, we do know that he will face Randy Orton and he will face Seth Rollins, we all know he's not going to win. Unfortunately... I do feel that throwing Dean Ambrose into the mix is going to, is creating false expectations for everyone. I'd love to see Dean Ambrose pull off the upset and be the, you know, be the crazy champion. That's not going to happen anytime soon, but what is going to happen is that Randy Orton is going to have to definitely step his game up because again, the shield when they work together were unstoppable. And even though they're, they're not in the same place that they were when they started that doesn't mean that all the allegiances can't bubble back onto the surface, and that's something that is going to make this payback fatal four-way very, very interesting. Now, I did want to say that I'm not—I don't really enjoy where they're going with Ryback and Bray Wyatt, and the reason I say that is not because Ryback cannot cut a good promo. On the contrary, I think that Ryback's promo on Monday was very good. I do feel that Bray Wyatt's just not the opponent that he needs. I think that we needed that Ryback and Rusev feud for a couple of weeks, and and that would have been the, the, the better course of action. Bray Wyatt needs to be a guy that is in the upper card. You know, the guy's treading water feuding with a guy like Ryback, and the problem is that when Bray Wyatt cuts a promo, he makes Ryback look like a fucking kid. And that's just because Ryback is not a promo guy. He is the strong guy. He is the, you know, silent but violent guy. He's not the guy that's going to go out there and have amazing monologues with Bray Wyatt. He's the guy that you send out there to punch people in the mouth. Like, that's what he does. And and to put him in a feud with Bray Wyatt, it's doing but neither guy any favors. On the contrary, it's exposing Ryback because he can't fucking talk. And it's making Bray Wyatt have to lower himself to carry a guy like Ryback in a feud like this. It just makes no sense. Like I said, you could move Ryback into a feud with Rusev. You could move Bray Wyatt into a feud with, I don't know, Roman Reigns. Something, you know, because there's there's more to it. I think that Roman Reigns needs to work with guys that are better than him on the microphone because they'll force him to improve. Ryback needs to work with guys that are in the same vein as he is. In other words, that strong style, that in-your-face style, it works better. Ryback and Bray Wyatt is just not the right feud at this time. Quark says, I want Ryback to win the Cena Open Challenge just to give the fucker a belt. And the Keith adds, no belt matters these days other than the heavyweight, which is sad to say. I have to disagree, and the reason I say that is because John Cena, and this leads me to the the other big moment john cena has done a tremendous job adding credibility to the u.s title the problem with john cena being u.s champion though is that every open challenge is a foregone conclusion that cena will not win i mean that cena will win now if you wanted to do something what they did on Monday night is what should happen with the John Cena Open Challenge, meaning that the John Cena Open Challenge should be used as a way to bring up new talent. Having Sami Zayn on Raw on Monday night accept the Cena Challenge, not only was it very, very well executed, but the crowd really appreciated it. Now, if you did that two weeks from now and Hideo Atami tried it, or... If you if you did Finn Balor or if you did Kevin Owens, whatever the case may be, it would be good for these guys to get exposure on the main roster. Now the Keith adds credibility, but he is winning. Yes, cre- he is winning. But you have to look at it. Every match that he has, the matches that are that are the best matches are the matches where the guys take him to the limit. They tell a great story. Which means that when somebody finally does beat Cena for the belt, it is going to be their WrestleMania moment. And that's because the guy is, is a multi-time champion for a reason. You can't just have a guy come in there and beat John Cena in five minutes unless he's going to be a monster heel. You need to have John Cena being taken to the limit. You know? You have to you have to do that. Now, The Keefe says that's not credible to the belt. It's best for the wrestler. No, it, the reason I say it's credible for the belt is because most times U.S. titles and IC titles aren't defended in meaningful matches. And while, like I said, they're starting to kind of pigeonhole themselves with Cena winning, but at least they're allowing other faces to get title opportunities. Doesn't necessarily mean they're, mean they're going to win, but sometimes you don't need to win to get over and the reason I say this is because you look at Sami Zayn, he came in, he got injured, he still had the match, he put on a tremendous match, the crowd was into it, and while Sami Zayn did not win, the fact was that the crowd ate up that match, and Rusev is not winning the belt, so, you know, this is going to be the last feud for Rusev, but Rusev is not winning the belt back, so, you can rest easy, Keith. Rusev is not winning the belt back. And the reason I say this is because Rusev is being built for that next level. He's he's going to be up in the upper card very, very soon. As for John Cena and Daniel Bryan, their jobs were to make those secondary titles have some weight and mean something. Obviously, in Daniel Bryan's case, unfortunately, you know, injury has derailed that. But when you look at a guy like John Cena putting out these open challenges, and like I said... Guys like Sami Zayn are coming up and having good matches with him. Guys like Dean Ambrose are having good matches with him. You know, hell, you who knows? You could send out fucking Heath Slater and his corny ass, and that, and that may be the moment that makes him a star. Maybe he'll go out there with John Cena and have an amazing match. Or who knows? Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll suck. But at the end of the day, you have to look at this not always at, at, at the main picture, you have to look at the big picture in the sense that John Cena is always going to win, at, at least for the time being. But it's going to make it that much sweeter when somebody does defeat him because it's going to be good for that particular wrestler. That wrestler is going to grab that brass ring. It could be a, a guy like Cesaro. It could be a guy like Ryback. Who knows? It could be Sami Zayn. could be Finn Balor. could be anybody. But the fact is that John Cena not being near the main event has been good for the main event and it has done wonders for the u.s title you know now the Keith says i think the case you're making for the u.s title is legit but it's more because it's cena these other belts are just are just props the fucking diva belt looks like my niece made it with her on her tablet well here's the thing the problem with championships and i've said this before is that they guess they get lost in the shuffle And the reason that they get lost in the shuffle is because the superstars sometimes become bigger than the belts themselves. Let me, let me, and I'm glad you brought that up. Let me, let's look at the Divas title for a minute. The Divas title weighed against the NXT Women's Championship. You put both of those titles on a scale and you weigh each of those titles based on the talent for their respective divisions. The NXT Women's title is leaps and bounds more meaningful than the WWE Divas Championship. And the reason is because the women in NXT go out there and give you 15-minute matches. The WWE Divas title doesn't mean anything because the women that are involved gives you five-minute matches with very little technique and very little story. So every time they come on the screen, you're going to look at them because they are forgettable. Now, looking at the tag team titles, it's a little different because you took the belts off of the Usos, who were doing a good job as tag team champions, and then you put the belts on Kidd and Cesaro, who did an amazing job, and now you put the belts on the New Day. Now, of course, when when you look at the New Day and you're like, oh man, these guys are champions, you realize that it's a different approach for the division because of the Freebird Rule, where again, any two members of the team can defend the belts. And that's good and bad. Obviously, it's good from a storytelling perspective, but it's bad because there's, there's never going to be an opportunity for the same two guys to break out as stars. Now, the thing that gets me is the tag team division right now is pretty decent. It's not good, but it's decent. I think the only titles that aren't really getting any shine are the Divas title because of the piss-poor booking, and the IC title because of Daniel Bryan's injury. But the tag team titles are faring okay. The World Heavyweight title is, you know, it's, it's as good as it's going to be. And the IC title does its job. And yes, I will agree that King of the Ring was tremendous. It was. The problem is that title defenses, and I've said this before, should be relegated to, at minimum, pay-per-views. Every pay-per-view, and I've said this before, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face should be all title matches and maybe one or two personal feuds but all title matches when I watch WWE payback the WWE world heavyweight title should be defended the IC title should be defended US title should be defended Divas championship should be defended they should all be defended and like I've said before the number 1 contender always should be the guy with the IC title or and the secondary contender should be the US title. And those guys should be able to, and I said this last week, cash in that belt to get one title opportunity. Think about it. It's it's what TNA does with the X division title where they where they give it they turn in the X division title to challenge for the world heavyweight title. The IC champion should have that opportunity because in the old days when you watch wrestling in the 80s the IC champion was considered your number one guy. Remember when the Ultimate Warrior squared off against Hulk Hogan and it was the IC champion and the WWE champion? It was huge. It was tremendous. And yes, part of that was because both guys were larger-than-life personalities, but it was also because both of those guys were at the top of their game in their respective divisions. Simple as that. John Cena, for for for, and, and again, we're using booking from right now, John Cena should, in essence, be number one contender. Do we want him near the World Heavyweight title? No. But if you did use that booking, at least Cena and Rollins would be a decent match. And, of course, Rollins would, be, would retain, and then Cena could go and challenge for another belt or whatever. But the fact is that when you look at this stuff, the belts, it de- like, and I said it earlier, it depends on who is writing this week and what they want to do. Some weeks the belts are important. Other weeks they're not. It's different with NXT because it's consistent. The belt is the motivation. The belt is the motivation. NXT champion. You know, NXT women's champion. NXT tag teams champions. Uh, tag team champions. There's there's goals. There's aspirations. In the WWE, there's so many feuds and so many moving parts that the belts fall through the cracks. Say it all the time. The belts fall through the cracks which is insane because, again, five hours of fucking television. Five. And I'm talking Raw and SmackDown only. Not main event, not superstars, not the WWE Network. Nothing. Nothing. The Keefe says, I'm telling you right now, Jamie Noble versus Kane for operations title will be 100 times better than a title defense. You know what the thing is? the The problem with the title defenses is that they haven't meant anything. That's the problem. Like, let me give you guys an example. Wade Barrett is king of the ring, right? As king of the ring, he should be entitled to one championship opportunity of his choice. Like, wearing the crown and the scepter and the fucking cape, that's great. But if you're the king of the ring, the, the, the stipulation should be you get the crown, everything, and you can challenge for one title of your choosing. That way it makes king of the ring mean something. You know, like, like, oh, look, I'm Wade Barrett. I got on a fucking cape, and I have a scepter and a crown, and it works with my English accent. Who gives a shit? Hate to say it, but it's true. Yeah, Wade Barrett. Oh, I'm Wade Barrett, King of the Ring, bad news. Who gives a shit? Look at you. You're dressed like the Burger King. Congratulations. Good job. There should be some sort of a stipulation. Oh, you're King of the Ring. As King of the Ring, I am allowed to pick... A cha- and challenge for one belt of my choosing. I have decided to throw myself into the payback main event. Something. Make the shit mean something. What the fuck good is it being king of the ring if the only thing you get out of it is a crown, a cape, and being called king whatever for a couple of months? It doesn't mean shit. Well, again, I enjoyed the king of the ring tournament, but it accomplished nothing. The only thing that it accomplished was the nostalgia of, oh, look, it's King of the Ring, and we're going to give you good wrestling. But what else did it accomplish? Please, somebody tell me. Because in my eyes, it didn't accomplish a fucking thing. Nothing. Jack and shit. Oh, look, I'm Wade Barrett. I got a crown. Wade Barrett was a former IC champion, a former U.S. champion, a former tag team champion. Now he's just a motherfucker with an English accent and a fucking cape. Who gives a shit? Adrian Neville wears a better cape than he does. Sorry. Look at Sheamus. Sheamus comes back looking like a Mad Max extra. What does he do? Jack and shit. Feuding with Dolph Ziggler for what? Over who was gonna kiss whose ass? Former IC champions. Former US champions. What are they doing? Nothing. John Cena does open challenges every week. And the motherfuckers that come out are Sammy Zayn, Heath Slater, and every other guy. Where's Titus O'Neal? Where the fuck is he? Titus O'Neill, Big E. Ryback. Luke Harper. Eric Rowan. A a laundry list of individuals that could fill the the mid-card. Nowhere. Again, nowhere. You had the primetime players clowning the New Day for like three weeks. Where the fuck are they? Could have fooled me. Maybe they're at the Soul Train Awards. I don't know. But they sure as fuck ain't fighting the New Day. Oh, look, the Lucha Dragons. They're fucking awesome. Why aren't they on television? Beats me. But this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. Every week, the booking is so disjointed that you're either gonna really love some shit or you're gonna hate some shit. Here's a good example. The Ascension. They took on Kid and Cesaro. It was a good match. Really, really good match. What did they do with the Ascension after that? Nothing. Jack and shit. Tag team division with guys that were amazing in NXT that had tremendous matches with the Lucha Dragons. Where are they? Playing a bootleg Legion of Doom. That's what they're doing. Thinking that they're Kratos. It's all bullshit. I'm sorry. Anyway, let me go down this list and talk about a couple of other things. So, the other thing I did want to address was rusev and lana's inevitable face turn first of all rusev killed Fondango dead and i don't understand why everybody loves Fondango all of a sudden but whatever but again we all know that lana's gonna end up turning and you're gonna put lana with whoever and rusev's gonna be you know bullshitting and that's gonna be that stardust took on r-truth in a match that had absolutely zero implications again for nothing donut Nothing. Zero implications. You got Stardust coming out dressed like Mr. Sinister from the X-Men, and he's fighting our truth and the match ends because he fucking hits him with fake spiders. Fake fucking spiders. Fake spiders. Stardust is out here dressed like Mr. Sinister from the fucking X-Men, and you're doing nothing with him. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so John Cena has the U.S. title. I mean, he has the U.S. title. R-Truth can't challenge for the U.S. title. If Daniel Bryan is is going to be on the shelf, then he should relinquish the title for the time being. You should have a, a, a title tournament and let all these guys fight it out. Fuck it. Stardust as, as IC champion is okay in my book. Works for me. But no, we're, we're going to have a match where I throw a bag at you full of rubber spiders and R-Truth runs out of the arena, crip walking and Harlem shaking thinking that he's covered in spiders. What a fucking stupid idea. Stupid. It was it was a complete waste of fucking time, and that's what I'm saying. Raw wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. <clears throat> now, I want to talk a little bit more about Sami Zayn coming out there. Um, Sami Zayn coming out, Bret Hart introducing him, an amazing hometown pop, and a tremendous, tremendous match, considering that Sami Zayn did legitimately get injured. Now, Obviously everybody everybody squirted in their collective shorts because they thought, oh man, Sami Zayn is coming up to the main roster. This is it. No, not yet. Because I think that him and um you know him and and fucking you know, him and Kevin Owens have a lot of unfinished business. So I think that it was just a great way to get him on TV. And again, the Montreal pop was amazing. Um you know, Sami Zayn, he 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 really worked an incredible match with John Cena. And this isn't just a testament to Sami Zayn, but it's a testament to John Cena because John Cena really worked very well with Sami Zayn. Plus, he took a lot of spots that he normally doesn't take in matches. John Cena in the Koji Clutch or the diving DDT through the turnbuckle all were great spots. An amazing story was told, and John Cena did a good job with 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 Sami Zayn, and this is just like I said, a testament to Sami Zayn being a great performer, but John Cena not being as shitty as people would like him like us to think he is. It's all I'm saying. The fact is that when you look at John Cena and you look at Sami Zayn's match, everybody felt that you know the internet wrestling community unjustly was was salivating over that match, and I disagree. On the contrary, you take a guy who came through the ranks in Ring of Honor, made his way to NXT, continues to remain popular, and delivers stellar matches, having ma- having an, an incredible match with a guy who's considered as the champion of the five moves of doom. I'm sorry to say, but they did something right on Monday. They allowed Sammy Zay- Sami Zayn to shine and allowed him and John Cena to do what they do best. And that was Wrestle period people get bent out of shape about you know john cena not being as good as, as 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 people make him out to be the fact is that john cena needs to work as safe as humanly possible because he is the face of the company the guy the guy can't get injured because nobody's going to step in and carry that company i want you guys in the chat room honestly if john cena got injured tomorrow And he was out for an entire year. Who could carry the WWE in his absence? And I want a legitimate answer. Legitimate. Not fucking Hornswoggle. I'm serious. Because when you look at it, love him or hate him, the guy carries the company. He does. He does all the Make-A-Wish stuff. When it comes time to promote the company on a big scale, he's the guy on, on, you know, Kelly and Michael in the morning. He's the guy on Good Morning America. He's the guy on Fox News. He's the guy you send all over the place. Who else is there? I'm serious. Is Randy Orton going to come out and talk to Kelly and Michael Strahan on a Monday morning? Absolutely not, because that motherfucker puts me to sleep 90% of the time. Who else is it going to be? Is it going to be Roman Reigns with his gray contacts coming out there with his long hair trying trying to talk to anybody? No. No, is it Seth Rollins? Sure. If he doesn't come out there and laugh like snarf for 15 minutes, you know, it's, it's, these are the things that, that people fail to understand. And, and of course, it's very easy for anybody to say, but rich, you know, you come on the show, you know, you do the show. You're very jaded. You talk, you you hate everything. I don't hate everything. No, I just have a low tolerance for bullshit. Simple as that. There's, there's nothing wrong with, with a guy like John Cena being the face of your company. What's wrong with the company is the fact that they've pigeonholed John Cena in a tiny fucking bottle like this. John Cena doesn't do shit else except take up space because they're afraid of letting him take risks. And it's unfortunate. It really is not good. But in any case, let me move on. So Barrett and Sheamus took on Neville and Ziggler in what was... A pretty solid match, and I feel that this is going to be a match that we're going to be seeing for the next three weeks. It's going to be Neville and Ziggler in some combination against Barrett and, and Squire Sheamus. You know, because that's what it is. You got you got King, you got King Barrett and Squire Sheamus. Sheamus Sheamus is the Theon Greyjoy of the WWE. It's 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 ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You you bring Sheamus back. And he's essentially carrying Wade Barrett's bags at this point. I hate to say it, but that's how it looks. Adrian Neville comes up. Everybody's amazed by Adrian Neville. He's doing amazing things. And then it's like, all oh, right, we're just gonna put you in this tag team feud with you know with Mayonnaise head and and, you know, the guy the guy with twelve with the twelve pack. You know? And th- that's what we're gonna do. You're gonna feud with those guys. It's gonna be Mr. Ziggles and Mighty Mouse feuding with King Barrett and, you know, Lord Humongous from fucking Mad Max. That's what we got. Don't get me wrong, the guys have amazing chemistry and they have great matches, but we're starting to see the same combination way too many fucking times. I hate to say it, but it's true. All right, so our last match of the evening was Randy Orton and Roman Reigns. We all know that This was going to end exactly as we would expect. And it did with everybody pretty much beating the shit out of everybody else. And yeah, Dean Ambrose standing tall, the crowd going crazy. And that was the end of the show. Now I will say this, putting Dean Ambrose in the mix for this match is going to be very, very good. And the reason I say this is because Dean Ambrose is, is going to tell an amazing story as is Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns and Randy Orton are going to punch each other in the face for 15 minutes. That's what they're going to do. But I will tell people this and I'll and I and I'll say it again. Dean Ambrose isn't getting anywhere near that title for the foreseeable future. The future of this company has one and one name only, and that is Rollins. Rollins will continue to be champion pretty much into SummerSlam because obviously the big money match is with Brock Lesnar and I have no problems with that. I think that that Snarf Rollins is a uh, is a really really good is a good heel and is a good villain for the company. The only problem with Seth Rollins and I've said this before is that they depend on J&J security too much and it does make him look a little weaker than he should as champion. That's all I'm saying. All right. Let's switch gears. Let's jump into the other wrestling news for the week. Um to answer the the Keith's question he asked about uh stripping the IC title from Daniel Bryan. Stripping the title from Daniel Bryan I think is something that is not 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 something that should be discussed, but is something that should be expected. And the reason I say this is because by by putting the pressure on Daniel Bryan to come back before he should, it's it's you know it's one of those things where it's too much pressure too soon. I think Daniel Bryan needs to really recover, really heal his body up before returning to the main roster. As such, I would have him vacate the title to nurse his injuries. I would do a tournament for the IC title and then take it from there. And then I would continue to reinforce the secondary titles as the titles that are worth watching alongside the tag team and divas title. And that's it. Simple as that. Daniel Bryan, there's too much pressure for him to come back. And I think he's rushing himself back because he wants to stay relevant. Daniel Bryan can be gone for one year and he will still be relevant. Somebody just needs to tell him that because the guy's going to put himself in a wheelchair before he's had an opportunity to have a full and 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 you know a full and illustrious career, simple as that. To quote the Keefe, he needs time off to get healthy. I agree a hundred and ten percent. And because of that, I say strip him of the title, do a tournament, and make that belt mean something. That's all I'm saying. All right. So on the wrestling news side, uh, a former WWE diva got arrested. No, it wasn't Francine. No, it wasn't Sonny or any of the usual suspects that you would think would get arrested. It was actually, surprisingly enough, Jillian Hall. Jillian Hall got arrested um, April 10th in Orange County, Florida, on a DUI charge. She had a blood alcohol level higher than .20 and was released on a $500 bond. Jillian entered a plea of not guilty In writing on April 14th, and she has a pre-trial conference scheduled May 14th, this will be held to determine if a trial is necessary. If that is the case, charges will be lowered if a plea deal can be reached. So there you have it, Jillian Hall, the latest to get arrested and have her mugshot posted all over the internet. Good job, Jillian. Good job. Switching gears, it feels like I haven't talked about TNA forever, and that's just because I've been watching Lucha Underground which is out of this world. And I've said it before, and I will say it again. Lucha Underground is a true alternative to WWE. It is it is without a doubt some of the best storytelling and wrestling I've seen in quite some time. They're really doing a good job down there. But on the TNA side of things, TNA will be going back to pay-per-view with their Slammiversary event, which is heading back to pay-per-view on June 28th and you can you can obviously watch it live in Orlando, Florida at Universal Studios since TNA is back there and um obviously now on pay-per-view. I will say that I've I've caught up on TNA a little bit and they they're pretty good. They've been doing they've been doing a pretty decent job. I do feel that Lucha Underground is doing a better job, but TNA has not been completely abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> the Keefe says that Lucha is the WWE in IMAX. That's a good way to look at it. I think Lucha Underground does a really good job with their storytelling. Their wrestling is good. Their presentation is gritty. It feels like like you're watching from Dust Till Dawn. No, well, let me rephrase that. It looks like you're watching wrestling at the Titty Twister bar from, from the Dust Till Dawn movies. And I think that was done on purpose. Not a bad thing for sure. All right, so... I want to talk about, and this, there's two big news stories I want to talk about. The first one involves Michelle Beadle from ESPN. Now, for those of you that don't know or have been living under a rock, uh, there was a certain boxing match this past weekend uh, between Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Obviously, I could sit here and talk about my opinions on boxing, but I will be 100% honest when I say, that i have not sat through a few a full boxing fight in years boxing does not keep my attention not because it's not an enjoyable sport but just because it's not something that i can stay focused on for long periods of time can't do it i just can't that's why that's why mma is so easy to watch it's because you know it's 3 5 minute rounds 15 minutes of my life and that's it sometimes less with boxing It's a lot different. You know, you got all the undercard fights, then the main card. I just can't do it. That does not mean that I do not appreciate the sweet science. On the contrary, when I was younger, I watched boxing quite a bit. One of my favorite fighters to this day is Muhammad Ali. I've always enjoyed everything about him, everything from his showmanship to the way he boxed, to the way he carried himself, to the way that he was anti-establishment. I loved it. I felt that he was... Just an amazing pugilist, and many people will debate that you know his moniker of being the greatest of all time is questionable. Um, if I had to say what are your top three favorite boxers, I'd have to say Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, and I've always, I've always had a, a soft spot for when I used to watch him fight when I was younger. Prince Nassim, I used to like watch him fight on um on HBO Boxing when they used to give it when I was younger. I I don't know. I felt just that he was such a a good showman that I used to like watching him fight as well. Those are three fighters that I always ended up watching their fights in some capacity. Uh, Muhammad Ali. I ended up watching his fight on an MSG Classics channel, and then I was just I was just sucked in. I was like, wow, this is this guy's awesome, and that's you know that's that's where I stand. Anyway, as many of you know, one of the big questions going into this fight was. Floyd Mayweather's domestic violence allegations. And people spoke very, very, you know, they were very vocal about it in different, in different, you know, in different circles. Some people, like I said before, compartmentalized Floyd Mayweather the athlete from Floyd Mayweather the human being. And while people felt that Floyd Mayweather the human being was a piece of shit, there was no denying that Floyd Mayweather the boxer is, you know, is one one of the best fighters out there. But In any case, if there's one thing that's been talked about and and even Triple H even mentioned it in his interview with Tim Ferriss is the fact that he is friends with Floyd Mayweather. So Michelle Beadle put out a, a post today explaining that she is turning in her WWE fan card. That's what she said. Now, you're probably wondering why why she says that she said, and I quote, I am a fan, a fan of sports, a fan of television, good and bad, a fan of 80s music, of the spurs, of cheesy movies, of John Oliver. I've been a fan of great people and some I shouldn't have revered at all. Those who've had their shares of transgressions in their lives, and as a couple of days ago, I was a fan of the WWE. My fandom dates back about 18 years on and off. I love the drama, I love the characters, the -the over-the-top bravado exhibited by men as they flipped through the air in an athletic, well-choreographed dance. It was pure entertainment from which I got great joy. Through the years, WWE has been great to me, hooking me up with amazing seats and giving me access that most fans would love to have, and for that, I am thankful. I've had superstars on my shows and willingly plugged numerous campaigns and events for the company. I've publicly gone to bat for them, as shockingly, wrestling fans tend to be on the receiving end of some ridicule. I did all of it because I was a fan, but this past weekend has been one that I will remember for a long time to come. So, you're probably saying, Rich, why Why are you reading all this? Anyway, the main reason the elephant in the room is because she feels that Triple H's relationship with Floyd Mayweather, his friendship, is pretty much co-signing... To Floyd Mayweather being a woman beater, and as a representative of the company in such a large in such a large facet, his association would would Floyd Mayweather in turn reflects the company co-signing with that behavior, and with that, I have to say this: domestic violence is a terrible, terrible thing. It is something that not only damages the people involved but the people's children as well. Floyd Mayweather is a pugilist. He is a boxer. He is he's very dangerous. He knows how to hit people. And, you know, I've read the allegations about the abuse, and, and you know, again, you read them, and, and you're curious, and, and you want to know why and things like that. And I'll be honest, when, when you look at that, you're, you're, you're forced to look at it from two schools of thought. A... I can continue being a fan of this guy and be forced to defend what he does in and out of the ring or I can compartmentalize and be a fan of the of the of the athlete and not like the man those are your two choices and of course the obvi the, the obvious cho- the third choice which isn't even a choice is you don't want to deal with it what's whatsoever and I say this Floyd Mayweather and Triple H's friendship is based on the fact that both guys are fucking successful and they have money. Floyd Mayweather did not know Triple H on the come up. When Triple H was, was wrestling in an empty high school for 25 bucks. He did not have Floyd Mayweather on speed dial. When Floyd Mayweather was honing his skills and starting from the bottom and working his way up. He did not have Paul Levesque on speed dial. Definitely not. These are friendships that are forged because, hey, I'm a rich guy, you're a rich guy, and we both do shit that people like. All right, we're cool. Simple as that. People fail to comprehend the fact that everybody that is outside of their circle are not your friends. Let me let me give you an example. Just because I interact with Xavier Woods on Twitter and have had him on the show does not mean that me and Xavier Woods are friends. On the contrary, he's been a guest on the show on a handful of occasions. He's enjoyed it. We, we, We have similar interests. We speak. If I didn't do my take radio, Xavier Woods would not know who the fuck I am the same way that I wouldn't know who he is. If Michelle Beadle didn't do ESPN and was involved in the industry of sports, she wouldn't know who who She wouldn't be in Triple H's circle. She wouldn't be offended by what Triple H does. She would as a fan. And as a fan, you have to ask yourself, what Triple H feels and thinks is in no way indicative of the company as a whole. You know? Period. Never, never the case. And people don't understand that. And for her to write this long diatribe, about I'm not going to be a fan of professional wrestling, if you told me I'm not a fan of professional wrestling because of all the drug use that has killed numerous wrestlers, because of all the terrible tragedies that have befallen numerous wrestlers, then maybe your argument makes sense. But when you're saying that you're not going to support the product because one guy, one, is friends with another guy, and because what that other guy does you don't agree with, you're going to stop supporting everybody else? All the other stuff that WWE does and you're worried about that one thing? What about the NFL that's full of fucking killers, murderers, rapists? Whatever the case may be. A laundry list of criminals in the NFL or in the NBA or in Major League Baseball. I just felt that for her to write that, it's, it's self-masturbation at its best. That's all it is. It's, it's oh, I'm offended And I had a shitty experience, and because of that, I want to share that experience with all of you, because all of you will feel my plight. I hate to say it, but nobody gives a fuck. You want to know why? Because nobody's connected to you. Nobody knows Michelle Beadle personally. I read it, and I'm like, oh, she doesn't want to support wrestling anymore. The only thing I know about Michelle Beadle is the fact that she got got into some shit with CM Punk, and her and AJ had words. That's about it, you know? Floyd Mayweather, amazing fighter, shitty human being. That's it. It's very easy. Amazing fighter, shitty human being. OJ Simpson, amazing football player, human bag of shit. Lawrence Taylor, amazing athlete, drug addict, frequenter of of prostitution. Come on. But you cover those sports because they're your job. WWE is not your job. It's just a means to an end. If you are that offended about people's association with other people, whether it's racists, rapists, robbers, killers, criminals, whatever the case may be, you would leave the world of sports altogether because everybody in sports, the majority of them are pieces of shit. Even clean-cut Tiger Woods stepped out on his wife. Give me a fucking break. Stop trying... People, people forget that because of social media, everybody feels closer to these athletes, these celebrities, these wrestlers. But I have to tell you guys, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Neither the, the, neither the actors, actresses, rappers, athletes, politicians, anybody give a fuck about you. You are the means to an end. You are a dollar sign. That's it. You know, They, they, they you, have, you are a dollar sign. You are a number. You are nothing to these people. The only way that you're going to be something to these people is if you are equally successful to them or you impact them in some way. Otherwise, they don't give a shit. Do you think for one second that Triple H gives a fuck that Michelle Beadle doesn't want to support the WWE? Oh, woe is me. ESPN is a huge network, and there's plenty of other shows that would gladly welcome a John Cena, or a Seth Rollins, or a Roman Reigns. Oh, let me go. Let me do you one better. There's besides ESPN, you got Fox Sports One. You know, the Keith put out a very good example in the chat room. He said, "All I'ma say is I'm sure her Pandora has Chris Brown on it." There you go. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest before I. I move into the next next thing and wrap things up. We live in an age where everyone is quick to quick to judge and quick to be offended. There are bigger problems going on in this world than worrying about a professional wrestler's friendship with a professional boxer. There are bigger problems on this planet that outweigh that if you're a boxing fan and you don't agree that Floyd Mayweather is as good as they say, or you're offended that the guy is a, is, a, is, a, is a woman beater, then don't watch him fight. Don't turn on the television. Don't tweet about it. Don't Facebook about it. Don't write anything about it. Just move on. I'm going to give you guys a very easy example. Many times I've talked on air about my appreciation for the Opie and Anthony show. They were, they were an inspiration for me. I, I admired their tenacity, the fact that they were, that they didn't give a shit, they pulled no punches, and they were honest and forthright with their audience. They gave no fucks. They wore who they were on their sleeves, warts and all. Always have said that. As someone who's raised two handicapped children, I've always felt that jokes about the disabled and the handicap and things like that, they strike a nerve, but I understand that they're done for the sake of comedy. Opie and Anthony made a habit over a couple of weeks about making a lot of jokes about people that were handicapped, you know, whether it was mental retardation, whatever the case may be. And then they were running, they were running with a gag for a couple of days. I could have easily have picked up the phone and called ONA and said, I'm offended or I'm angry or whatever. You know what I did that week? I didn't listen to their show. That's all. So I waited till next week and I turned on the radio and they were talking about something else. And I was laughing and enjoying the show as usual. Yes, I could have been morally outraged and offended. But you know what that would have solved? Nothing. Because I would have called or I would have written an email or whatever and said, you know, I wasn't a fan of that segment. And they could have been like, fuck you, don't listen. And who am I to argue? That's, <laughs> that's all it takes. If Michelle Beadle is not a fan of what the WWE does, or if she thinks that Triple H is the is the number one person in the WWE and that his relationship with Floyd Mayweather is indicative of the company co-signing, then you live in a fucking bubble. Triple H is one guy. One. One guy who only over the last couple of years has gotten into a position of power. Recently. Recently. And his position of power is nowhere near... Where he has any say for the company as a whole. Because until Vince McMahon is rotting in a casket, it'll always be Vince McMahon. It's what Vince likes that the company believes in. Period. Simple as that. But she wanted to tell everyone and and, and, anybody that would listen that she wasn't going to support professional wrestling. Because Triple H was so so excited about Floyd Mayweather's performance. Yeah, because he fucking knows the guy. Oh, Floyd, you know, I'm happy for you. Congratulations on your victory. Okay? They're fucking friends. So why wouldn't he support his friend? Simple as that. Give me a fucking break. If, you, if you're not a fan of domestic violence, if, you, if, you're, if you're publicly decrying domestic violence, then you don't need to support the NFL either. Because there's plenty of motherfuckers in there that have done shit. Simple as that. Sorry to say. It's really that simple. Going on Twitter and Facebook and writing a blog about it and boo-hoo, nobody cares. No one gives a shit. You want to know why? Because Floyd Mayweather's swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck right now. He don't give a fuck about what you think. Triple H wakes up next to, next to butt-ass, butt-naked Stephanie McMahon. And another guy swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck. Oh no, one reporter in ESPN doesn't like me. Woe is me. Fuck out of here. Sorry to say it, but stupid. Anyway, before we wrap things up, I did want to talk about the other big news item, and that involves uh, a personal favorite of the professional wrestling industry, and that is Vince Russo. Vince Russo recently went on a rant saying that nobody gives a shit about Sami Zayn. And of course, the internet wrestling community instantly jumped to Sami Zayn's defense. He said that, you know, to the casual wrestling fan, nobody gave a shit, blah, blah, blah. Vince Russo being Vince Russo. And I will say this. Vince Russo has done good and bad in the professional wrestling business. Make no mistake. For every every good moment, there are five bad ones. Same could be said for Eric Bischoff. Same could be said for Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette. The list goes on. Vince Russo's opinion of Sami Zayn is about as relevant as, you know, a three-year-old's opinion on the fucking weather. Nobody cares. Oh, Sami Zayn is an internet darling, but he sucks. Okay, sorry you feel that way, Vince. Move on. I've never hated Vince Russo. I've never loved Vince Russo. I've felt that his involvement in wrestling as a whole is always a matter of controversy and contention and disagreement. That's it. Do I hate the guy? No. Do I feel that he's talking out of his ass because nobody gives about a shit about Sami Zayn? Yes. Yes, because Sami Zayn, that arena erupted when he came out, erupted and gave him a standing ovation after that match. NXT shows that he is one of their pop most popular guys, and the guy, yes, he came up through the independent circuit. Yes, he used to wrestle he used to wrestle under a mask, but his wrestling ability is Bar none, some of the best in the world. Hate to say it. Sami Zayn is without a doubt probably top five, one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm not talking about characters. I am talking about wrestling. You know, what we tune in to watch besides all the angles and all that other shit? Wrestling? He's good at it. And that's what matters. Is his entrance music not the greatest? Sure. Sure. Do I hate the fact that he wears fucking cab hats? Sure, no problem. But other than that, Sami Zayn entertains me with what matters most, wrestling. But then again, we're also listening to the opinion of a guy who, had, who was involved in, a, in an old woman giving birth to a hand. Wait a minute. Was Vince Russo around when that shit happened? I think he was. So there you have it. I, I don't, you know, I don't agree. I don't agree with his assessment. I do feel that it was probably done to get some hits and get people to talk about it, and that's great, but I don't agree. I don't. There's, other, there's plenty of people out there whose who's talent can be questioned. He definitely isn't one. Sami Zayn is not one of them. Adrian Neville is not one of them. Kevin Owens is not one of them. Finn Balor, Hideo Itami, hell, Baron Corbin, who is fucking vanilla as shit, and everybody thinks is the second coming, is entertaining to some capacity to someone. Not to me, not yet, but to someone out there, they're entertained when this fucking guy goes out there. Sorry, Vince, that not everybody shares your sentiment. Anyway, (laughs) with that said, and that rant, um, I think we're going to bring things to a close. So before we wrap things up, I have to say that, If you did enter the Rageworks and Royal Flush Magazine contest for the Moto X, please make sure to tune in tonight. Well, now that it's Thursday, um, May 7th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And we will be joined by Danny from Royal Flush Magazine to announce the winner of the Moto X contest. I want to thank everybody that did enter and those of you that did share and try and get the word out for the contest. We truly do appreciate it. For those of you that did enter again, make sure you tune in tomorrow, as we will announce the winner of a brand spanking new, practically, Moto X4T Mobile. Also, as I said, now that the site is back up and running, My Take Radio, episode 291, will be on the site within 24 to 48 hours. Until then, you can find archived audio on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. For video archives, you can check our two YouTube channels, MyTake Radio TV and Official RageWorks. If you want to keep up to date with what's going on in the world of RageWorks and MyTake Radio, you can follow us on social media, Works on Twitter or at MyTake Radio. You can become a fan on Facebook, add us to your circle on Google Plus, follow our boards on Pinterest, and as always. To, to get the maximum amount of information, head over to RageWorks.net. All right, guys, on behalf of myself and the rest of the RageWorks and MTR team, I am out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.